This morning we're going to finish his farewell. And the whole idea is guarding the sheep. Now I've got to tell you, uh, Google, in this, this Google world that we live in, I, I just simply wanted to, I mean, innocently I wanted to just do a little search on Google about sheep and wolves. And I, what I was looking for is I was just looking, I was like people that study literally wolves that attack sheep. And, and before I could find anything, I ran into like five pages of things that had to do with sheep and wolves that ended up being not what I was looking for at all, but actually ends up being a really good illustration of where I think Paul, what his heart is when he's talking to the leaders of the Ephesian church about guarding the sheep. So, uh, again, don't, as I walk through this, um, just, just understand this was by accident. This, is not a, this was not a planned search. I'm just kind of like bringing you to the table with me uh, on a Saturday in preparation, Google search, sheep and wolves. And the first thing I ran across was sheep, wolves, and sheepdogs by Dave Grossman. And that, that it was just interesting. It's a quote that came out of a book that Dave Grossman, Grossman wrote. It's on combat. And there was a quote from that book that ended up in the movie American Sniper. So here is this quote. If you have no capacity for violence, then you are a healthy, productive citizen, a sheep. If you have a capacity for violence and no empathy for your fellow citizens, then you have defined an aggressive sociopath, a wolf. And what if you have a capacity for violence and a deep love for your fellow citizens? Then you're a sheepdog, a warrior, someone who is walking the hero's path. Well, that's not what I was looking for. But it does raise a very important and very interesting conversation that's going on in our culture about guns and violence and who carries and who doesn't carry. So just hold on to that. And then I, then I found this about both this, like, kind of, I thought, funny little cartoon. I don't know if you can really see it, but it's this pack of wolves. And there is this uh, lamb in wolves' clothing. And, like, I'm totally feeling bloodthirsty for some sweet, delicious lamb, you all. Word. You know, so... Uh, that was, I found that on this, again, just I'm looking for wolves and sheeps, and what I found is, is Obama a wolf in sheep's clothing? Well, this one commentator, definitely, quoting her, if you can, if you can call that smug, egotistical smile sheepy, he's total evil, and I wonder what happened to Americans that are so many who have fallen for his lies. Do the liberals not know that he, that he Obama, has got to think they're stupid to fall for his garbage? Does it not insult their intelligence? Yeah, I keep forgetting. They really don't have any. In the Bible, it says that the people will be fooled. Evil will be called good, and good will be called evil. So, I mean, there was at least a reference to the Bible. So, I mean, there was, there was some redeeming quality in that. But again, it, again, sheep and wolves, that's not what I was looking for. But again, it, it, it's, there's this conversation in our culture about politics and we've had we've had some very colorful conversation over the, the, the last eight years or so and I'm sure we're going to have more 
So, and then one more. Again, how, how in the, I mean, I, this, I thought, okay, two wolves and a sheep vote on what's for lunch. I thought, okay, sure, this is going to get me to what I'm really hoping for. Well, it got me to the Israeli-Palestinian issue. What? I'm just looking for sheep and wolves. How is it that I can't even find it on Google? And so, again, two cartoons. Hamas attacks Israel. Hamas attacks Israel. Hamas attacks Israel. Israel defends itself. Israel attacked Gaza today. That was the commentary. And then the Israeli occupation of Arab land. There's Israel in the midst of a sea of Arab people. Again, this conversation, I mean, this was this week... If you, I, I hope you, I hope you listen to the news. Susan was asking me, "You think people are like, are, are people reading the news? Will they even know that like Israel just had an election?" And you know, do we? I mean, that's again this interesting conversation. So what I'm trying to say is, I didn't find what I was looking for, but it, but it, but let me then tell you what went on with me, and and I hope it's going to make sense. Okay, one, I think that these are very important topics of interest and conversation. I believe that you and I, we, we, we need to be able to talk about gun control and violence when, and who carries it. We, we need to have that conversation. And I, I believe that we uh, need to have conversations about politics. It's fun to see David, and we, we had a great lunch together, and just we talked about even maybe a forum sometime, maybe as we approach another presidential election, maybe we can have a night of just let's talk about the issues. Let's be able to have that conversation. And then this, this uh, you know, we have, I think, made some progress in that we, we have a perspective about the Middle East, but we, we, can, have a, we can talk about the, the, the Middle East. We can talk about Israel. We can talk about... Palestinians, and we can have this conversation. But, but what is really burdening me with those is, is sometimes we have not been able to do that and hang together as the flock of God. And so when Paul comes along to the Ephesian leaders, he says, guard my sheep. He's not saying, guard my, guard my sheep from wolves that were going to come and kind of devour the weakest ones. He's not, this, in this analogy, he's not talking about being devoured by, by a wolf. He's talking about guard my sheep from, from wolves that come and they scatter the flock. So the flock that I've worked so, I worked really hard for years in Ephesus. I have poured myself out in gathering this very diverse community of people and we have this whole range of conversation about all kinds of topics and at the center of that is Jesus and we're trying to figure out how Jesus directs our life in this whole conversation and how he's really directing us to really represent what's most important which is him and his kingdom. I've worked really hard and I got to tell you when I leave there's going to be people that come and they're going to they're going to come with their own agenda and they're going to rip this thing apart if you don't guard it. So the message about guarding the flock, again, it's not about beware, they're going to get you. It is don't, don't, let, don't let individuals with their agenda separate you from one another. Watch out for wolves. 
who scatter the flock by demanding total agreement on non-essential truths. See, as important as it is that we have this conversation about guns and violence and politics and Israel, and it, it, those are not essentials of our faith. That's not what defines us as followers of Jesus. And so when the body of Christ is divided by differences over non-essential truths, we forfeit things. We forfeit some really important things. And my, my concern, my hurt, my, my sadness, at, my, at times my anger, the body of Christ as it exists on the planet today is so fractured by non-essential differences that we are forfeiting what God could do in us and for our world. And so may Jesus open our eyes. Acts 20, 28 to 38. Now it's up to you. Those of you that are leaders of the community in Ephesus, it's up to you. Be on your toes, both for yourselves and your congregation of sheep. The Holy Spirit has put you in charge of these people, God's people they are, to guard and protect them. God himself thought they were worth dying for. I know that as soon as I'm gone, vicious wolves are going to show up and rip into this flock. Men from your very own ranks, twisting words so as to seduce disciples into following them instead of Jesus. So stay awake Keep up your guard. Remember those three years I kept at it with you, never letting up, pouring my heart out with you, one after another. Now I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what He wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. I've never, as you so well know, had any taste for wealth or fashion. With these bare hands, I took care of my own basic needs and those who worked with me. In everything I've done, I have demonstrated to you how necessary it is to live on behalf of the weak and not exploit them. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said you're far happier giving than getting. And then Paul went down on his knees. And all of them kneeling with him. And they prayed. And then a river of tears. Much clinging to Paul, not wanting to let him go. They knew they would never see him again. He had told them quite plainly, and the pain cut deep. Then bravely they walked him down to the ship. So the warning that Paul is giving is about vicious wolves that would separate this flock. 
And he identifies those wolves. These are men from your own ranks. What I would understand that to be is these are people who identify themselves as followers of Jesus. And yet, they twist words so as to seduce disciples into following them instead of Jesus. So from the ranks of believers in Asia Minor, there's going to be individuals that use the twisting of words, deception, getting people off the main point, seducing them to follow them and their agenda. And when those that are following Jesus begin to follow someone else's agenda, not Jesus' agenda. They're no longer following Jesus. Now, I would like to be as transparent as I can. As I keep up with the news, and I, and I try to stay abreast of the things that I think I need to stay abreast about concerning our faith and our activity in the world, I am really grieved by several national leaders that would be national, international leaders. of They'd be believers in Jesus, but they have an agenda. And they are actively recruiting people into their agenda. And my concern is if they are successful in doing that, then what happens is that local churches like this begin to fracture and people are separated over whatever the agenda of that national leader is and this, this congregation is torn asunder. And those that follow that person, that's a national leader with their agenda, they no longer are following Jesus They're following a person whose intention may very well be great. But it's not Jesus. None of us is Jesus. Except Jesus. And Jesus has invited people within the church to follow him. And he's invited people to be in a church and enjoy having a variety of opinions on the whole range of life. You see, things happen in our lives that we never forget. So one of the things that happened to me as a pastor, as a leader, I had a 90-year-old lady, a friend of mine. I did repair work on her house. She really thought Bernie Calcote was cute. So she really, well, could you bring Bernie back over? So she just would admire Bernie. I was a little jealous, but Bernie was cuter than me. That's true. <laughs> well, my friend showed up one morning, and she said, uh, and, I, and I was shocked, because I knew, I knew she was a lifelong attender of another congregation, another denomination. And I said, well, what are you, what are you doing? She said, I, I, can't go to my, I can't go back to my church anymore. I said, well, what do you mean you can't go back to your church anymore? I can't go back to my church anymore because my church has become a Republican church and I'm not a Republican. I'm an old-time Texas Democrat. And I'm thinking, oh my. 
if we start identifying the body of Christ as the as a Democrat church and a Republican church, a gun-toting church, a non-gun-toting church, a pro-Israel, a pro-Palestinian, pro-peace church, if we if we start going down that path, then what we gain as the body of Christ is lost. So I think what Paul would I think if Paul were to be able to show up today and say, you know, folks. You have a variety of opinions on non-essentials. Guns, politics, and Israel. Those are the three for the day. But we could, we could throw many more on the table. And as followers of Jesus, you have got to be able to sit in the same room year after year after year and have very passionate, very meaningful conversations about these important topics in this world, but they must not separate you. You must hang together on the essentials. And everything else that's a not, you've got to be able to discern. And leaders, hello. Leaders, hello. Leaders are supposed to help people discern what is an essential, what's a non-essential. Again, I know, these things are important. I'm not saying they're not important. But they're not, the, they're not the essentials. They do not define us as a Christian. I know most of you really want to know. I, I, I think that I am... A Republicrat. I, I look back at my, you know, my voting history, and I sometimes I'm Republican and sometimes I'm Democrat. I read the, yeah, have you read the party platform? In the national party platforms, there's some of the some of the Republican stuff I really get. Some I don't get. Democrat, some is good. Some's not so good. What, what's my standard? The Bible. How I understand what the most important document to me is not the platform of a political party. It's revelation from God. And I, don't, I know I don't understand it all, but that begins my lens. But by golly, I would never want my political opinion to drive people out of here. And I would never want to recruit you to my crazy world. You don't want to be in my crazy world. I probably will never tote a gun. I'm sorry. I have a shotgun. I like to shoot birds. <laughs> but I'm uncomfortable with pistols. And I'm not comfortable when people show up with pistols. This very well-intended irrigation guy tried to convince me I would be safer when we were working on a friend's house if he was toting a pistol. I said, I don't know you. So why in the world would I feel safer? <laughs> you know, I mean, again, I understand the spirit. I get it. But again, if we're separated by those of us that tote and those of us that don't, we can't have a conversation. And the church, that's a non-essential. I got I, another thing. I'm, I'm sorry. I did, in our liability coverage as a church, I did not sign up for terrorist coverage. I'm sorry. I don't think that somebody's going to walk through our door and blow us up. And, and who's going to get the insurance anyway? <laughs> I'm not living in fear. I mean, do I, know that, do I know that there are radicalized people? Sure, I do. 
But am I, am I going to start recruiting you to hate those people? No. Why? Because Jesus said, love your enemies. Let me remind you of two things. One, the essentials of our faith. What is it that, that defines us? One way would be the Apostles' Creed. So we believe in God. The Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, that was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Those are the essentials. That defines us as people who follow Jesus. That's defined us since the 300s. There's another creed, the Nicene Creed. Very similar, just a little bit more theological. That's, what, that's the essentials. Now, if we start going down a path of denying these things, yeah. The fellowship, the body of Christ begins to break down because this is the core of our faith. And it's from this core then we are a people gathered together that are following Jesus that then can have conversation about everything else in life realizing those are non-essentials. In essentials, the reformers were pretty brilliant. In essentials, there must be unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity, love. You and I cannot stop loving each other just because we have different opinions about guns and politics in Israel. That's not allowed in the core of our faith. Let me end by saying what we forfeit. If we allow the non-essentials to divide and scatter the flock. This is what we forfeit. First, genuine shepherding. See, we, we see in, in Paul, he was a genuine shepherd. I kept at it with you, never letting up, pouring my heart out with you one after another. I've demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak, not exploiting them. Anyone that recruits us to their agenda is exploiting us. Paul is saying, I, didn't, I never did that. He lived a lifestyle where he said, I am far happier giving to you than getting from you. Now, when the, when, the, when the flock is scattered, the, the shepherd, all he's doing is he's running around trying to gather the sheep that were scattered rather than pouring himself into the care, the watching over of a flock that stays together. I don't know about you, but I really believe the flock of God on the planet right now would be so much stronger 
so much effective if we had genuine shepherding. Rather than those that are shepherds running around trying to regather sheep that are being divided all the time by non-essentials. The other thing, if the flock is scattered, then this unique people that are entrusted to God, whose gracious word can make us into what he wants us to be. We will never discover what God, our maker, creator, redeemer, savior, wants us to be if we don't hang together. If we are scattered to the winds abroad, following the agenda of those that are exploiting us, we'll never become who our God wants us to become. And if we don't become who our God wants us to become, we will never impact the world in the way that he intends us to impact the world. And therefore, he'll come back and he'll say, man, I entrusted you all with so many talents and this is it. This is it. This is, this is the state of the world. I gave you everything to bring benefit and goodness and life and forgiveness to this world and this is it. So we'll never become everything he wants us to become if we don't hang together. In spite of our differences on non-essentials. But notice, he gives you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. Everything that you and I need. (laughs) That's pretty blank check, it seems to me. Everything we need as human beings is provided for us through a community of holy friends that hang together, that learn to talk about the non-essentials, who, who drop our guard and don't demand you got to agree with me. And if you don't agree with me about guns and politics and, and Israel, then I'm out of here. I'll find another flock. We're we're not going to receive what God wants to give us if we keep doing that. So I wonder, can we get on our knees? I mean literally. Can we get on our knees and say, oh God, save your flock from being scattered to the four winds. By well-intended, I mean, most of, the, most of the times I think it's well-intended. But it's misplaced passions. Again, every topic, all the things you all want to talk about in, in the world that we live in, they're all important. I'm not saying they're not important, but they're not the essentials of our faith. Can we get on our knees and just ask God, To bring his sheep back together so that they can receive genuine shepherding again. So that the body of Christ can really be built up and strengthened. And that this community of holy friends 
can receive everything that God wants to pour into them. So I'm, ta- I'm really asking, can we do more? I mean, I want that for us as a local community, but I want it for all. I mean, every follower of Jesus on the planet, that's what I want. Can we get on our knees? Can we pray? Can we weep? Can we take a moment to do that? Okay. You can do that quietly, or you can you can you can pray out loud. So let's just take a few minutes to do that. Beside me. 